Welcome back to Real Perspective, the podcast based on a YouTube show, based on a podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. And I'm Michael Morey. And we're here to talk about How to Train Your Dragon 3, the uh, finale to the How to Train Your Dragon trilogy and uh, latest film from DreamWorks Animation Studios. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's, it's a movie, you know. Um, <laughs> this is probably going to be a little bit of a lighter episode because the, the, it's kind of a slight film. Um, but, Mike, were you a fan of this franchise headed into this one? Uh, yeah, I didn't see the first one until about four or five years ago. Uh, so that was probably, what, four or five years after the it actually originally came out. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe the second one had already come out, too. Or it was about, yeah, I think so. So, yeah, I came into it pretty late, basically, is okay. the point. And um, the first one actually kind of blew me away. I thought it was really good. It's a really good movie. Yeah, I was surprised and shocked at how good it was. Because this is going to sound really bad, but I kind of judged the movie based off the cover, i.e. the title. Like, the title mm. of these series, I know they're based off of books. Right. Uh, I, th- I thought it was really crappy. Right. <laughs> I was like, this is not sound like something I'm interested in. And then I watched it, and I was just really surprised by it how well done it um it was because uh dreamworks dreamworks hasn't been really known i think for making great animation the way Shrek. yeah so dreamwork hasn't really been known for making great animation the way pixar has <laughs> um actually i do think the first shrek or two were okay um I, yeah i mean i don't know if they hold up at all uh, don't. so you know what the first shrek holds up way better than you think it does uh-huh. because of how memed it's been yeah um <laughs> It's it, it. We put it on at uh, a friend's house, like uh, right before Christmas ish. Yeah. Um, and I, it was a lot better than I remembered because it has become such a meme. Yeah. That I was like, oh, that's a really bad movie that I liked when I was a kid, and then I was like, no, there's good jokes in this. Like Eddie Murphy's really funny in it. Mike Myers is really funny in it. It's probably the best thing they've done since shrek like (laughs) that was i mean it was probably the last good thing yeah (laughs) yeah it's uh it's uh, there's really good jokes in it man yeah um there's like really clever like funny stuff that happens in it Mm -hmm. um so yeah shrek's actually good okay so probably if you you think it's not but it's it's decent okay fair enough and then I haven't really seen too many of the Kung Fu Panda movies, so I hear that they're okay. Oh, those yeah. are great. Okay, so yeah, you I knew that you liked them. Um, so anyway, I'm only familiar with most of the stuff they consider to be crappy. Um, right. And that this movie had a lot of depth to it, uh, the first one. Mm-hmm. It wasn't based off of crappy pop culture jokes that are right. going to date itself immediately. And so... I was very impressed with the storytelling. And then also how weirdly, like effective it was in dealing with loss and I mean, you have like a character that loses a leg which is like not yeah. something you see happen in yeah. a children's movie like the main kid loses yeah. his leg yeah um and uh the music was really affecting the music's it, great john powell is freaking incredible mm-hmm. and deserves to be involved in more stuff yeah so the first one was really good um the second one i think is mediocre i think i like it a little bit more than you but i think it's fairly insubstantial yeah. And uh and then this movie is decent. Yeah, I think uh so I went back and revisited them because I hadn't seen the second one. Mm-hmm. Um and I hadn't seen the first one since it came out on Blu-ray like it was officially a release. And 
man, that first movie's good. Yeah. It's uh it's such a simple, like, boy and his dog story. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things that goes a long way in that story, or in, in making the the relationship between Hiccup and Toothless work so well for anyone who's ever owned a pet is they hit this perfect balance between uh, canine and feline behaviors for the dragon. And I think that goes a long way Mm -hmm. um, because I think everyone can connect with a certain part of the way Toothless acts. Yes. um, Depending on what type of pet they own. Um, So... The last time I saw it, I didn't own any pets. This time we have a cat. And um, what I say is I'm not not a cat person. I am i don't have strong feelings about cats. I know some people hate cats. Mm-hmm. And some people love cats, obviously. Freaking cats, man. <laughs> um, a plus. A plus. <laughs> no, this joke will be understood later. Yeah. Like several give months it a few months. <laughs> um but what I, I do say is I am a cat person for my cat. Our cat's great. Uh, and I love our cat to death. I I think this is the pet I've cared the most about ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so watching it now that I'm like a pet owner with a pet that I feel like a really strong connection to, mm-hmm. that helped a lot, I think. And then, yes, the hiccup losing a leg thing is crazy. Yeah. Like, it's, it's such a... A big risk that pays off really nicely, and like mm-hmm. it just shows, uh, it just shows what heroism and sacrifice really is like in yes. a genre that usually doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, even down to something like The Incredibles, which yeah. does get a lot of like real life things right. Mm-hmm. Like the best parts of The Incredibles too are all the talks between the married couple about their marriage. Yes, it's not a good kid movie. But, I mean, it it felt like a conversation, those felt like conversations I would have with my wife, but then when they get into the superheroics of it, they just kind of auto-win. Right, yeah, or just, like, they have a problem, but it resets itself by the end of the story and everything's back to normal. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. this had lasting consequences for the character, and... I really appreciated that. I forgot that happened, mm-hmm. but that was the that was probably the biggest element of the story that really stuck with me. Yeah, um, was that specific thing, and just the way they evolve that over the course of the rest of the movies, I think is actually really consistent and good. Yes, I agree with that. Um, the second one, I man, I had a hard time getting into it. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I didn't finish it. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt I got up to when Stoic died and yeah. I was like, I feel like this is all I need to know from this movie. And uh, then I had to go meet my wife <laughs> at a restaurant. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was. A, yeah, you're largely right about that. Yeah. <laughs> and they introduced Volka, Volka yeah. um, who's the mother character, really was not a fan of that. Whole no business. Her character is very poorly conceived. Yeah, and like poorly executed too. Mm-hmm. Like I, the maybe I was missing something, but it just seemed like she like just was like, "Peace out, family. Dragons are more important than you." Yeah, uh, which is not like a relatable human emotion, right? <laughs> At all, right? Well, and like 
It just sets her up to be really unlikable. Yeah. And then all of a sudden in three, she's like this supportive, like maternal figure. And it's yeah. like, wait, what? Like, and mm-hmm. she's underwritten in this one too, I think. Yeah. She, she's kind of irrelevant too still. Yeah. I don't think she's an unnecessary character on paper. They just made her unnecessary. Yeah. I think it's by virtue of the fact that these movies have to be like 90 minutes long. I can mm-hmm. see a two and a half hour version of these have like actually get into the issues relating to her, but right. they well, don't have enough time to spend on it. All the, all the scenes with her in the second one just feel like she's just like vomiting exposition yeah. hiccup about the lore of the dragons mm-hmm. and it's like th- that's what I liked about the first one is it didn't get too caught up into the like nitty gritty of yeah. that it made to me it made it feel more lived in mm-hmm. because it was just like and then some dragons right <laughs> You know, and then in the second one, it was just like, here's every little detail yeah, about them. Like world building. Yeah. Which is weird, because, like, you know, there's some things I've criticized for not world building enough. Right. But then this, it went, like, all in on, like, yes. now it's the franchising of this <laughs> yes. thing. Yeah, How to Train Your Dragon 2, the franchising. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, it just, I don't know, it just, it seemed like more of a slog to me than mm-hmm. the first one, which is super well-paced. Music's great across the board in yeah. all three movies. Yes. Uh, I'm glad you touched on that. Uh, we've established I'm not a music guy when mm-hmm. it comes to movies, but this one for sure. Yeah. Um, cause there's long stretches where like the dragons are interacting or a human and a dragon are interacting. And so there's not a lot of dialogue. No. And those are the best sequences in the, across the board. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. The, like the little montages where they're like learning from each other mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. The music speaks for itself, which is great. Yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we come to the third one and, uh, Stoic has passed away in the previous film and Hiccup is now the uh, uh, the chief of of Burke, and um, they're learning to live together in harmony with the dragons. But uh, in this one, they are, face a couple problems. One, uh, so what uh, 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 Hiccup and his his sort of like band of merry men are doing is they're going and liberating dragons across the land uh, from people who are trappers. Um, and they're running into a problem of dragon overpopulation. And also because they have so many dragons, they're becoming a bigger and bigger target for people who don't like the fact that they're living in harmony with dragons. Right. And all of that is embodied in a villain whose name escapes me right now. Uh, played by F. Murray Abraham. Uh, I think I have it right here. Yeah. Generic McEvil. Or like Tim. Grimmel. Oh, yeah. His name's Grimmel. Uh, and he's like the ultra, he's like the alpha dragon hunter. And he has killed every nightshade except for Toothless and uh, this one female mm-hmm. who they are going to use to bait Toothless into leading all the dragons away from the Burke people and uh, then attack them and kill the dragons. Yeah. Um, so on top of that, Hiccup comes up with... So to combat that, Hiccup comes up with this idea to go and find the hidden dragon world, which is like the dragon hub where they all live, and they're going to move the entire village of Burke to this hidden dragon world um, to live off the grid from the rest of humanity and in harmony with dragons where they can be undisturbed uh, by the outside world. And Grimmel sets out to put a stop to that. That's kind of it. As far yeah. as the main thrust of the plot goes, 
they use the the they call it the light fury but it's a female night fury mm-hmm. to kind of lure toothless away from the clan and that's a big deal because he's the alpha and uh so the the rest of the dragons follow suit with what he's doing mm-hmm. um so that's the setup and then it's thwarted and then the dragons go off to the hidden world and the burke people learn that they can live without the dragons and they've learned valuable lessons from them etc etc credits yeah <laughs> that, that, that's it that's yeah. the movie um yeah this is all right yeah it, it it's a good movie yeah. i agree with you it's it's very slight and maybe i would even even say thin yeah on the story aspect um I mean, there's obviously a little bit more going on with Hiccup learning how to be a chief and mm-hmm. leader of his people and getting married and also... Yeah, there's good stuff in it. Yeah, there's good stuff in there and then, you know, also the cute stuff involving uh, Toothless falling in love, quote-unquote. Right. Uh, but it is not much on plot. Yeah, I don't know if the movie justifies its length. It's an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, it's the longest one I yeah. think of the series. Yeah, right? by about four or five minutes. Yeah, and uh, I agree with you. I don't. I don't quite think it does because there's really not a lot going on there. I mean, basically, I would say most of the supporting cast sucks in these yeah. movies. I mean, beyond Hiccup and yeah. Toothless, and then Stoic in the first movie and a half. Yeah. There really haven't been that many great characters. I mean, Astra's okay. I like uh, Craig Ferguson. Oh, Craig Ferguson's okay. Yeah. Gobber? Yeah. Yeah, he's good. Beyond, like, maybe those four, though? Yeah. I mean, some of those characters, some of his Hiccup's friends are downright, like, annoying and just, like, one note, like, right. one yeah, joke yeah, yeah. characters. Yeah. Um, and they just kind of feel like they're there to pad time yeah. sometimes and, like, meet their joke quota, which, I mean, to me, those jokes weren't good in this Yeah, they, they were, were fine. Like, they were whatever. Yeah, they're whatever. Um, but that being said, I mean, it sounds like I'm bagging on it. I liked it because. It still nailed like the core relationship between mm-hmm. a boy and his dog, dragon cat, right? Um, and uh, that is still well done. And yeah. I would say almost the last fifteen or so minutes of the movie basically justify the rest of its existence. It's true um, because they do nail the goodbye very well with mm-hmm. those characters um, and demonstrating the growth that they've accomplished across all these movies and. I have to go and give some respect to a series that ha- aged this main character all the mm-hmm. way through. Yeah. It's funny that you brought up Incredibles because there's a movie that like defiantly didn't age his characters more than like one minute since the previous yeah, movie. Yeah, it picks up literally <laughs> of the last frame of yeah. the last movie. Yeah, and I thought that was a missed opportunity. Like you could have jumped ten years into the future with some of those characters. Well, and it's and, weird because they sound older now. Yeah. Right? Like Craig T. Nelson has an old man voice now. Right. And, and the movie didn't really explore anything new because of it. Yeah. Like, it kind of just retreaded the same exact scenario. Yeah. And then I think forcing the characters to grow up is actually a really good way of advancing the story and mm-hmm. the character arcs. And I appreciate seeing, like, this young Hiccup guy who I, he was kind of like a, a shithead. I mean, in the yeah. first movie, you know? Yeah. To be blunt. And, like, I didn't really like him that much. But by the third one, I'm like, okay, that guy, like, was pretty good. You know? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. He had nice growth over the movies. It's a good hero's journey. They age him six years total across yeah. uh, across the movies. So it's it's five years between one and two and then another year uh, 
between two and three. But mm. in that year, he's taken a major step of having to be the chief of Burke. Right. Um, which we didn't get to see him have to do a whole lot in two. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing because mm. the dad dies like with 40 minutes left in the movie. Yeah. So it still becomes, uh, you know, more about that. This is, you know, he's on his own now. Like he's just got to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the character stuff with Hiccup is still really well done. Um, Jay Baruchel, not my favorite voice in the universe, but weirdly works in this character, I think. Uh, really wouldn't peg him to be a voice actor, uh, at all, but he, he makes that, that weird, like, goosey Canadian thing work for him. (laughs) Um... Yeah, it is cool to see physical factors of the aging. And that's where I will say the animation in this movie is crazy. Oh, it's incredible, man. Yeah, it's some of the best animation in a mainstream movie I've seen. In, well, it's in Spider-Man, I guess, yeah. but in a minute. Like, you know, there's the end. He's got this full beard. Mm-hmm. But you see, like, individual, like, little peach Hair fuzz follicles. hairs. Yeah. yeah. In close-up shots of him, and I was like, what? And the water looks amazing water, in this movie. The clouds, man. Yeah. It looks great. And yeah. I, I heard um, Roger Deakins was actually like a consultant on the, the cinematography. That's awesome. Um, and for the for our audience, Roger Deakins is an Academy Award-winning cinematographer, or mm-hmm. should, should be. No, he I, is. He, he finally, finally won. Is. That's yeah. right, yeah. Um, he shot Skyfall, which is the best aspect of that whole <laughs> dang movie. Yeah. Sicario. Um, yeah. Oh, a lot of great movies. Assassination of Jesse James. Yes. Um, and so he was a consultant. Um, so I was thinking about this yeah. uh, to kind of tie this into recent events with the Oscars. Mm-hmm. I feel like I I feel like animated movies should be able to be nominated in cinematography. Oh, absolutely. And I think this movie is a prime example of yeah. that. Uh, this movie looks so good it's across gorgeous. the board. And like the shot composition is really dynamic mm-hmm. and good. Like the the framing of everything is great um yeah and I, you know here's my argument for it as well avatar got nominated for best cinematography yeah that's basically an animated movie yeah <laughs> it basically is an animated movie right. i think the argument is that they can put the camera wherever they want mm-hmm. but that doesn't matter no it doesn't matter i don't think so at all so yeah the Get on the add that to your list of many things you need to fix the academy. Right. Uh, yeah, man, this movie looks so good, and I think that actually almost makes up for the thin plot. Is yeah. a, it's not a boring movie. No, it's because visually it's, interesting. Yeah, it's so interesting to look at. Yeah, because there was even there's even a spot I had to pee so bad, <laughs> and I was like, I really need to pee. Nothing's going on. But I want to keep looking at this. Yes. And I ultimately decided to go because it, it, it did make my viewing the second half of the movie a lot better. <laughs> uh, and also, if I wouldn't have gone pee, I wouldn't have heard a, an employee at the theater say, uh, I'm so glad Rami Malek won Best Actor because uh, I want to meet him someday and let him know that I saw Bohemian Rhapsody six times in a the theater and I cried all six times. And that's a crazy thing for a person to admit. So I'm glad I got to hear someone say that out loud in real life. Because what? Why do you guys like Bohemian Rhapsody so much? <laughs> Did you see it? No. It's not, it's not terrible, but it's not good. I mean, like, I feel like I have to, but like, I feel like this is forcing me to watch it to engage with like everyone's craziness about it. It's not. 
Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I I recorded two podcasts about the mediocrity of the movie. But, yeah, that was a weird thing to hear someone yeah. say. And uh, I was just like, whoa, I'm glad I heard that. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was that was a weird little diversion from uh, my viewing experience that yeah. I, I went home thinking about for sure. Uh-huh. Um, but back to the movie, How to Train Your Dragon 3. Um yeah, I liked the I liked the the stuff with Toothless and the Light Fury. I thought it was cute, mm-hmm, you yeah. know. Um, the the I think the Light Fury is super cute. Like, yeah, they did a good job. Yeah, yeah they did they did a good job not just making a clone of Toothless, but like yes. giving her her own personality through yes. the animation. Yes, I but, agree. Uh, there's a lot of good animation work in terms of getting. Every little thing, like its own personality, quirks. Yeah, that, that I, I mean, can go unnoticed. I mean, most good animation does do that, but yeah, um, this movie I thought did particularly well with that. Well, and even though the friends are pretty cardboard, they're yeah. really easy to distinguish visually. Yes, absolutely. They got very noticeable silhouettes. Yes, and and like gates and yes. everything like that. So yeah. I agree with you. Um, you know, when when it comes down to like the action sequences, you can always distinguish who is doing what. Yeah. And a lot of them are like in darkness. Like the opening scene is mm-hmm. in like nothing but like smoke and fire, yeah. and it looks sweet. That was awesome looking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with you. There's a lot of images that are gonna stick with me that I thought were great. Yeah, yeah, and like I also liked it to, once again to talk about how well this uh, is escalation. Um, they figured out how to use the dragons for their advantage mm-hmm. uh, in on the battlefield. So they take the shedded uh, dragon scales and make armor out of them, and it's fireproof. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hiccup, flame ha- sword. Hiccup has that super cool flame sword. Yeah, um, it's the yeah. best looking fire I think I've seen in, in, in a CG movie. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I I also I do want to talk about the villain a little bit. I really liked him, man. I yeah. thought he was good. Yeah, he was alright. He almost felt like a low-rent version of the second movie's villain to me, but I haven't seen the second one in a while, so mm. maybe I'm mixing them up. I liked it because it felt like they were gonna do normal ultra-villainy stuff, and mm. then kind of flipped it around at the last second, so the the scene where he goes and attacks uh, Hiccup in in his house... And he has the conversation with them about how he's the ultimate dragon slayer or whatever. Yeah. And he like shoots Hiccup with the the like the tranquilizer or whatever, mm. and it turns out to be the friend. Um, I thought that he was gonna do the I'm gonna get caught on purpose because they they oh, keep yeah. they keep building him up as like he's a genius and always ten steps ahead of everyone all the time, four dimensional chess mm-hmm. type guy. And the M.O. for that type of character since The Dark Knight has been, uh, he gets captured on purpose and ultimately it's just a manipulation tactic yeah. for to to bend the heroes to his will. And so I kind of thought it was going to go that way and I was like, it's a kid movie so I have to be fine with it because mm-hmm. not the target demographic is me. Um, but I also am over this. And then that didn't happen and I was like, oh, that was a surprise. Like mm-hmm. that was a cool little twist on it and like i think that's where i really was was okay with it got it is that i thought it was going one way and it didn't yeah that makes sense in a nice way in a way like i thought it was gonna go away i didn't like and then i went in a way that i was like oh that's interesting how does it progress from here yeah then 
you know, he ultimately gets defeated. Right. Uh, I liked his little flying thing yeah, with the dragons. That was, that was I cool. I thought that was cool. I agree with you that a lot of the humor didn't work. But I really liked the scene where uh, the tough nut character is annoying him in the prison cell. I thought that was pretty well executed See, and funny. Uh, I was all right. I was like 50-50 on it. I feel like it went on too long. It did go on too point. long. But my favorite joke in the whole movie was in that yeah. when he like finally let her go. Uh-huh. And she like started booping him with her braids that were dragons. I uh, was like, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, that was good. That was okay. I did like that. But yeah, the rest of it I just thought ran a little too long. Sure. That. Yeah. Yeah, it did, that felt like the most time-killing part to me, which yeah. is actually where I went to the bathroom. Oh, really? And I actually went to the bathroom when they were doing the assault on his uh-huh. tower or whatever, and I was like, meh. <laughs> I was like, I, I, was like I, I, I got this from yeah. here, guys. Like, I'm going to go pee. So I went to the bathroom and came back, and ex- basically exactly what I expected to happen happened. Yeah. It wasn't with the character I expected. I thought Hiccup was going to get captured. So, like, because mm. a lot of the main thrust after the bonding of Toothless and Hiccup a lot of the main thrust of two and three is in separating the two, yeah. right? Like that's where a lot of the drama comes from. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that this would, cause in the second one, toothless gets captured. Yeah. And so I thought in this one, it would be Hiccup that gets, gets captured. Yeah. And, uh, it wasn't, but he, you know, it, it was, it was separating them in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that there were these little clever, like not workarounds, but just little, like, uh, just the different angles. Diversions. Uh, yeah. it, it, it hit plot points that I expected it from different ways that I yeah, expected yeah. them to get there. Um, they still kind of ultimately happened, but it was just like, oh, I didn't think they were going to go that way with it. I thought they were going to go the more conventional way with it, and it was nice to yeah. see. Like it, it felt like thought out. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the movie. I think the movie does feel really well thought out. Yeah, and I think it felt honest, and, mm. and it didn't feel like it was just being subversive for the hell of it like it was mostly right. predictable but but i agree with you it didn't get to the predictable end through always the most normal means yeah 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 it wasn't it was logical it was logical still um yeah and the simplest way would have still been logical right but it just no agreed it was just creative it was just yeah. like oh we could do it this way but what if we did this mm-hmm. and like it's not even to pad time it's just like a different spin that you don't really get to see that much yeah on it and I, I i thought that was like pretty refreshing especially because it's the third movie in a franchise and most third movies just like rest on the laurels of yeah <laughs> of what came before and they're just like eh, we know what worked before let's just do that mm. but now it looks better or whatever right um so i it definitely i think these movies are made with a lot of care and i, I think you can tell yeah and i appreciate that a lot i do too and one thing that i also appreciate is they took their time with them. Mm-hmm. They didn't go and try to shoot out 20,000 sequels in like three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's not an extended universe. Yeah. I mean, well, was there a cartoon? Oh, there's two cartoons on Netflix. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. But whatever. Okay. Right. Like, so, so there's some kid cartoons out right. there. Whatever. Um, but they told the story like over three movies basically and that's mm-hmm. it. And uh, over 10 years almost. Yeah. Like that. that's pretty respectable. I have to say I kind of like that. Yeah. Um, and they, they showed people grow up and deal with, like, adult problems. Mm-hmm. And they stuck the landing, which is honestly not something that a lot of trilogies can lay claim <laughs> yeah. to, man. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's an ultimately satisfying conclusion to what came before. Like, it's not a betrayal of anything. No. It's right in line, I think, with the, the previous two movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the... 
I, I liked the goodbye a lot. I liked that they yes. separated them. Uh, yes. And and it was just like, okay, we've had our time. We've learned from you. You've learned from us. Like, mm-hmm. And we've gotten what we need. Yeah. And, um, and getting back to the word honest, I feel like that's an honest answer to like these movies and, mm-hmm. and to like life is that sometimes the good times don't always go on forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and especially for someone who owns a pet, you know, you have maybe 10 years with your pet mm-hmm. or, or a little bit less or a little bit more. And then, you know, you gain something out of that experience and then you, you pass on or they pass on. And right. That's it. Yeah, so. and I liked that none of the dragons died. Yeah, it didn't have to go and do it through like a, a cliche way of like someone died. Yeah. To have that feeling of kind of finality still. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I actually, I just, I tweeted this tonight. Um, there's this movie called Five Feet Apart that's coming out. I don't know if you've seen it. No. It's like these two kids in a hospital, like terminal ward, I think, that fall in love. And the genres of movie I understand the least are here, watch a dog die. And here, watch a kid die. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't get it, right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense if you know the end. One, it doesn't make sense if you know the end going mm-hmm. into the movie, necessarily. Right? It's just like, what? Yeah, I know one of these kids is going to die. There's no drama in this whatsoever now. And then two, I just don't under... like. You could just go to the hospital and maybe help the real kids that are dying. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, I get what you're saying. It just it doesn't make sense to me. Like the fault in our dogs. Yeah, man. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Why? I. What sort of catharsis do people receive? Do people receive any sort of catharsis? Yeah, I think there is a way that people receive catharsis. Is that like they get to watch those movies? They go through like a a loving relationship, and then through all the terror of it ending. And then they get to us, come out of it at the end and be like, oh, that was, that was still a fantasy. So, like, they get separated from it again. Sure. So. But here's the thing. Like, I feel like if you're in a committed relationship and you go and see, like, a, like, a, like a P.S. I love you, right? Yeah. And then you come out and you just look at your partner and you're like, oh, you're going to die. <laughs> that sucks. Like, I, maybe I'm, I haven't really watched one of those movies before. Um so maybe I'm missing something about the experience. Or, like, Marley and Me. Like, yeah. Marley and Me's BS because that dog is terrible for two hours. And they're like, I hate this dog. And then it dies. And they're like, we love that dog. And it's like, you just bitched about the dog for two hours. And now I'm supposed to believe you're sad about this, <laughs> Owen Wilson. Go voice Marmaduke. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hate you. Uh... So, all that to be said, I'm glad How to Train a Dragon didn't do that. Yeah. Like, it didn't, it, I feel like it would have been really forced to yeah. do that. Because it didn't seem like it was a story about... Death. Uh, yeah. About that kind of death, yeah. anyway. I mean, obviously, his dad died in the second one. But, yeah. like, the talking about, like, the animals dying, that wasn't really the point. It was yeah. about, like, them both growing up alongside each other. And the most affecting thing that could happen is that they have to be separate. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. And then the question is, do you think it's a cop out that like they kind of see each other again at the end? No. Or, I yeah, I, I thought that like I would have been more p- pissed off about that. Like, no, like they have them separate, and then like they get to see each other again later, and mm-hmm. like, I was gonna be kind of miffed, but they did it really well still. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought that was kind of the point. Yeah, like when they did it, where it was like, like. 
gone but not forgotten and also not completely out of reach yeah you know like because they establish early on that hiccup knows where the hidden world is right um so it would only make sense if he could go back right it would almost be weird if he couldn't yeah you know it's and they they've established that it's a specific place it's not it's a fixed point it doesn't move right so it makes sense that he would be able to go back and see him like Mm -hmm. he saw him become the king of the dragons basically right so and then i like the way they did it where it's like even more into the future and he's getting his like chief beard and uh not to be confused with our chief beard (laughs) and uh this one's as real as an animated beard can get uh and he's got kids with Astrid now, and, like, the kids get to, to meet right. Toothless and, and the White Fury. And and there's been still, obviously, some passage of time. Mm-hmm. So so the loss and the separation has still been felt. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it didn't bother me so much then. Yeah, and I liked the way it showed, like, Burke evolve, like, in yeah. her new Burke evolve into... Um, you know, because it was very, like, heavily Viking things mm-hmm. before. And now it's, like, an almost Swedish yeah, thing. Yeah. I, I thought that was that. dope. Like, yeah, I thought was that smart. was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, just to, to see how, like, the culture has evolved because of the influence of the dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I liked it. I thought yeah. it was, like, it's a really positive movie, ultimately. And yeah. that's nice. It's it's a really nice movie. Yeah, I think, um, and that's that's never a bad thing when it's done well. And and adding on to that, um, it wasn't cynical. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, you know, and I mean, we we talked about Lego Movie in the last podcast, uh, and not to say that movie was cynical, but it has a very much like modern sense of humor. Right. You know, like we're, there's you know, a little bit more of an edge to it. Yeah, there's an edge to it, and um, it's very self aware. Yeah, and then this movie is—I mean, I don't want to say it's not self-aware. It's right. smart. I mean, it's like it's a more, Mr. Well, Rogers thing. Yeah, it, but it, but it's, it's not like overthinking it either. It, right, it, right. It's and it's not like pointing out the genre's problems or right, this. Right. Th- it's just like it is what it is, and is heartfelt, and it's nice. Yeah, I think. Well, it, I think even more to that, it not only does it not point out the genre's problems, I think it operates within the confines of those genres when it's at its best yeah absolutely and um i think it goes and demonstrates that you don't have to have all these kind of like meta aware kind of movies that yeah like point out oh this this thing actually kind of sucks but it's now it's but now because we're pointing out sucks it's actually kind of good right it's just it's just like earnest yeah it's uh it's like paddington I don't yeah. know if you've seen the Paddington. No, movies. I still need to watch them after but, you've been talking about. Yeah, like, they're they're very much the same. Yeah. They're just like very wholesome and nice, mm-hmm. and like just about being good and kind, and that's not bad. Yeah, you know, it's like I said, it's like a Mister Rogers thing. We're mm-hmm. just like, hey, just be be a good person, right? Like, do good things, help people. Mm-hmm. You know, be a person who has integrity and, um, you know, sticks to their guns, right? And you know, all this stuff that is represented in the movie. Um, and so I think that's good and I think it's done well. I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's cheesy. No. Um, it's not schmaltzy at all, at all, really. Yeah, which is, it's, that's difficult to do. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, this movie is trying to earn some emotion out of you mm-hmm. and it didn't feel like I was being manipulated into giving it. No, not at all. It just felt like the right story for what it was. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of it. It's a little bit of a shorter episode. I, do you have anything else to say about how to train your dragon three no no it's yeah well i mean it did surprisingly well at the box office it did to follow up on our last podcast yeah 55 million dollar opening weekend yeah pretty good Uh, franchise high yeah and and 
I mean, I think people were expecting it to do not so well. I mean, it came in over expectations, um, which I think is interesting because the second one kind of disappointed and uh, was under expectations. Yes. So it makes me wonder what happened between that one and this one. Yeah. Then you go and compare that to what happened with the Lego The cartoons on Netflix, I think, happened. Yeah. Um, I think the first two were on Netflix for a period of time, so I think they found an audience there. Yeah. Uh, there was also, uh, I had the opportunity to go to this, there was this arena show that they had. Oh, yeah. And it was friggin' dope. Really? It was awesome. Yeah, I went with my friend Natalie and her nephew. Mm-hmm. Um, she ended up with an extra ticket and knew I liked the first one and knew I liked production, like concert production. Yeah. It was amazing, man. Like, have you seen the clip of that Fast and Furious arena show? Yeah. It was yeah. so it was a similar production as far as like projected stuff onto the arena and but it wasn't stupid the way that Fast and Furious <laughs> one is. Um it was very like it, they did a really good job like using the geography of the the the, the projections. Mm-hmm. Um so it really looked like it looked like you got a top-down view of the performers while they were like jumping across rocks. Oh. Um, and but it, and so the performers were on wires and they were just jumping and yeah. the, the it was moving uh, underneath them, but they were still moving forward in the set. That's pretty cool. Um, which was cool. And then the puppets were amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did the. It was the same people who did Walk with the Dinosaurs. Oh yeah. Um, which those are great. And yeah. these were man, they were so cool. Huh. Uh, yeah, and they had, you know, they had every, every dinosaur, or every, uh, dragon, including, like, this huge one of the, the dragon that they fight at the end of the, it's the plot of the first movie, uh-huh. um, just on a large scale, like, stunt arena show. It was awesome. Huh. It was really cool. Uh, I was looking at the stats for it. It took, like, 39 semis to move that show from place to place. Dang. Yeah, it was nuts, man. Huh. Yeah, and it would, in order, it was so expensive, and most of these are, are, they're so expensive to put on that they have to run like five to six days in a certain location in order for them to justify going there. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we it was cool because we sat right behind production. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to see like all the like bells and whistles for the 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 sound and lighting setup, and it was it was something, man. <laughs> like it was it was amazing. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so I think all of that kind of led to it sticking in the minds of kids maybe a little bit more than the lego thing which just had the movies true well and i also wonder if because my theory of the lego one was that it it had come at like the wrong time it was it was like too late after the first movie but not long enough Mm -hmm. for like the first movie to be nostalgic like for a certain age Mm -hmm. of people and now this movie uh dragon three it came basically the like 10 years after the first one. And mm-hmm. so for maybe the demographic that can't watched it the first go around, they might be nostalgic towards this kind of yeah, thing or something. That's but, true. Um, so there's a passage of time aspect to it that I think maybe benefits it in a way that that's maybe true. it wouldn't for the Lego movie. But, that's true. I yeah. Know. I didn't, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I meant to and I forgot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Real weird. I don't. I don't really know why this was a bigger hit than Lego Movie Two. It seems like. But. I mean, maybe maybe Lego Movie Two suffered because people were saving 
money for their kids for this one. Could be, too, you know? yeah. And they had just seen the Spider-Man thing. Right, and, a couple months know. ago. Yeah. And so, you know, going to the movies is still expensive yeah, so, yeah. for a family. Yeah, well, and then they got to take him to see Captain Marvel in a couple right. weeks. Like, exactly. And then freaking, you know, we talked about it last time, Infinity War, Endgame a month after that. Like, mm-hmm. they have a lot of big releases coming out that their that families are saving for. Yeah. Um, so it's just going to, it's going to be weird. I yeah. think, um, but yeah, I think the, the, the Netflix shows probably gave it a big push. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, cause kids just watch anything on Netflix, you know? Yeah. Um, people just watch anything on Netflix. They do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, that's it. It's, it's a good movie. Uh-huh. It's, you take the family to see it if you want. It's nice. Um, we'll be back in two weeks to talk about Captain Marvel with Missy Lonsinger. Um, on an episode hopefully people will listen to people will see that more people will see that than first man guaranteed yeah. <laughs> uh because like six people saw that and three of them were the three of us on this podcast yeah. <laughs> and the rest were grandmas seven people my friend brian <laughs> first man was that the movie about the first human being yep oh, okay and his All dog right. oh and his dog who died <laughs> oh is that what happened yeah yeah he died is that what happens in that no, stupid I have no movie? Idea. Okay. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just speculating. Probably. Probably. Um, also, kids died. I'm sure. Yeah, sure. Oh, well, then, shot to the top of my watch list. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, Captain Marvel, um, this Saturday, which should be like two ish days from now, if you're listening to this when it comes out, uh, Back to the Future at the Fox Theater. Um, 1 p.m., I think, is when yes. it starts. Uh, I will be there. Mike, unfortunately, cannot make it. Nope. He'll be out of town. However, uh, oh, uh, also with that, it is Save the Clock Tower um, themed, so they're not charging ticket prices to go see the movie, but they are asking for some sort of monetary donation, whatever you feel like you can give, um, to help uh, restore the neon in their neon clock tower. Um, so, yeah, uh, we work a lot with them, and we will be there on the 4th to introduce Tombstone which is uh, awesome. Uh, I'm really, I'm more excited for this than I was Citizen Kane. (laughs) Um, And Tombstone is one of my favorite movies of all time. It was, it is a movie that when I was first this budding little cinephile, I had considered my favorite movie uh, for a good chunk of years, Um, mainly through high school, I think. Uh, so I have a lot, I have a big personal connection to this movie, actually, and I've never seen it in a theater, and to be able to introduce it, um, that marks two years in a row now that I've been able to introduce one of my all-time favorite movies, uh, to the audience of the Fox. Last year I got to do Jaws, which was, uh, that's, like, life highlight. Like, it's, as stupid as this sounds, it's like getting married and then this, uh, <laughs> and, the, and then Jaws, Jaws introduction. Um... So, yeah, it's a really special movie to me. I know that seems weird because it's Tombstone, but uh, I have a really strong connection. It's the first movie I owned on DVD. Oh, wow. Yep. Hmm. Yep. Uh, I got it for Christmas the year I got my DVD player. Uh, I got that and UHF. Those are the first two movies I owned on DVD, which hashtag on brand. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most on brand thing Damn. ever. <laughs> Holy shit. That is MJ in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, yeah, so, uh, tickets are only $5 to that, uh, Doors at 6, Show at 7, um, it's a really good movie. It's I, a fun movie. Yeah, it's so badass. 
Yes. <laughs> like, it just, it's... Val Kilmer gives an all-timer performance in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cast is stacked. Oh, like, man. I don't know how long it's been since you've seen it, but you'll watch it and be like, what the heck? Michael Rooker's in this? Uh, oh, yeah. Billy Bob Thornton's in this? Yeah. Charlton Heston's in this? Like, yeah. Every, Powers Billy Zane, Booth. Powers Booth. Billy Zane. Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. Uh, uh, what's the dude? Um, <clears throat> Michael... D- Michael Bain. Oh, yeah. Uh, freaking Bill Paxton's in it. Yeah. Uh, the guy that played... Terry O'Quinn, the guy that plays Locke on yeah. Lost is in it. Yeah, dude. There's a ton of people in this movie. There's a lot uh, of those guys. Jason Priestley's in it. Yeah. He plays Billy the Kid, I think. Uh, that's that's a great cast. Yeah. Oh, and did we mention Kurt Russell? Oh, yeah. Kurt Russell, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Um, yeah man. It's stacked. Like... The, you'll look at it and be like, I've ne- I don't remember this person being in this movie, but there they are. Yep. Um, yeah, I I love that movie so much. So, and it's been like almost probably five years since I've seen it. So it's been uh, a while for we'll me see. too. Hopefully, it holds up. I. What if it sucks? I feel like it doesn't. <laughs> uh, I okay. I've seen it probably within like the last six or seven years. I thought it was really good, but there's some parts of it that are a little dated now. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. But yeah, come out for that. Uh, yeah. March 4th is the date, I think. Yep. Um, yeah, and you will be there for that yes. intro. So, um, yeah, that's all I have. Do you have anything else? Nah, for now. We can just stop there. Okay. Um, yeah, until next time, we're your Huckleberries. Well, bye.